0: Gradually ...came to be regarded as the chief decorative values of the interior. Portable hangings were, in consequence, replaced by architectural ornament. In other words, the architecture of the room became its decoration. This architectural treatment held its own through every change of taste until the second quarter of the present century. But since then, various influences have combined to sever the natural connection between the outside of the modern house and its interior. In the average house, the architect's task seems virtually confined to the elevations and floor plan. The designing of what are today regarded as insignificant details, such as moldings, architraves, and cornices, has become a perfunctory work, hurried over and unregarded. And when this work is done, the upholsterer is called in to decorate and furnish the rooms. As a result of this division of labor, house decoration has ceased to be a branch of architecture. The upholsterer cannot be expected to have the preliminary training necessary for architectural work, and it is inevitable that in his hands, form should be sacrificed to color and composition to detail. In his ignorance of the legitimate means of producing certain effects, he is driven to all manner of expedients, the result of which is a piling up of heterogeneous ornament, a multiplication of incongruous effects. And lacking, as he does, a definite first conception, his work becomes so involved that it seems impossible for him to make an end. The confusion resulting from these unscientific methods has reflected itself in the lay mind, and house decoration has come to be regarded as a black art by those who have seen their rooms subjected to the manipulations of the modern upholsterer. Now, in the hands of decorators who understand the fundamental principles of their art, the surest effects are produced, not at the expense of simplicity and common sense, but by observing the requirements of both. These requirements are identical with those regulating domestic architecture, the chief end in both cases being the suitable accommodation of the inmates of the house. The fact that this end has in a measure been lost sight of is perhaps sufficient warrant for the publication of this elementary sketch. No study of house decoration as a branch of architecture has for at least fifty years been published in England or America. And though France is always producing admirable monographs on isolated branches of this subject, there is no modern French work corresponding with such comprehensive manuals as Davilay's Cours d'Architecture, or Isaac Ware's complete body of architecture. The attempt to remedy this deficiency in some slight degree has made it necessary to dwell at length upon the strictly architectural principles which controlled the work of the old decorators. The effects that they aimed at, having been based mainly on the due adjustment of parts, it has been impossible to explain their methods without assuming their standpoint. That of architectural proportion In contradistinction to the modern view of house decoration as superficial application of ornament. When house decoration was a part of architecture, all its values were founded on structural modifications. Consequently, it may seem that ideas to be derived from a study of such methods suggest changes too radical for those who are not building but are merely decorating. Such changes, in fact, lie rather in the direction of alteration than of adornment but it must be remembered that the results attained will be of greater decorative value than were an equal expenditure devoted to surface ornament. Moreover, the great decorators, if scrupulous in the observance of architectural principles, were ever governed in the use of ornamental detail by the sofranzune, the wise moderation of the Greeks. And the rooms of the past were both simpler in treatment and freer from mere embellishments than those of today. Besides, if it be granted for the sake of argument that a reform in house decoration, if not necessary, is at least desirable, it must be admitted that such reform can originate only with those whose means permit of any experiments which their taste may suggest. When the rich man demands good architecture, his neighbors will get it too. The vulgarity of current decoration has its source in the indifference of the wealthy to architectural fitness. Every good molding, every carefully studied detail exacted by those who can afford to indulge their taste, will in time find its way to the carpenter-built cottage. Once the right precedent is established, it costs less to follow than to oppose it. In conclusion, it may be well to explain the seeming lack of accord between the arguments used in this book.